Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. McConnell pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the ball. That's it. That's just Sabonis. Take it right at him. Karis LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is. LeVert, skies high for the jam. Brogdon for three. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Well, you got it setting the base, and I think that's terrific. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Alex Golden here, host of Setting the Pace. How y'all doing today? Wanted to introduce my guy, Mike Focci, with a tribute to how he answers the phone every time we join for our Zoom meeting. So, Focci, what's going on, man? Alex, always happy to be here. Man, I wish I could say that this uh, day two free agency was as eventful as day one, but I feel like I wasn't invited to the party and I watched everybody else have fun today. <laughs> well, the Pacers are at 15 roster spots filled right now until the until they make a decision on Keelan Martin. I believe that is August 7th. They have to make that decision if they're going to make that contract fully guaranteed or waive him. There is still a Jeremy Liam possibility of a trade there. I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But I think it's a possibility. But Fachi, you were not able to be with us on Thursday for our live draft show. It was Rhett Bauer and Dave Cyril filling in for you. And, you know, while it was a really fun show, we really missed you. And it would have been great to just get your live reaction to seeing the Pacers select Chris Duarte with our favorite guy on the board, Moses Moody. What was going through your head seeing this live in a different location? Alex, I think it's probably good that we didn't get my live reaction because similar to just about every other Pacer fan, I was a little bit let down when we did select the oldest guy in the draft when one of, you know, the more talented upside individuals in Moses Moody was still there. Someone that we very much let it be known. That's who we wanted. And it it was disappointing. However, the days leading up to the draft, I want to say the final 48 hours, it seemed pretty real that the Pacers were very interested in Duarte and that. Golden State was very interested. So I'm not going to lie. I did think they were going to work out a trade with either New York or Atlanta. I mean, it, it feels like the Cam Reddish rumors have long been dead. But in that 24-hour span, they were heating up. Yeah. No, and it was just a weird thing because everybody knew that Duarte was the guy that people were potentially trading up for. And so the Pacers, there had been rumors floating around that they had interest in Davion Mitchell and Moses Moody. I heard that from an NBA source, and there was also some stuff going around. I think Chad Ford actually said that Corey Kispert was their favorite if he's still on the board between him and Duarte. He thought Kispert would go around 11 to Charlotte, but book night fell thanks to some interesting draft selections made by the Kings and the New Orleans Pelicans at 9 and 10. So he ended up falling further than people expected. So, you know, the Pacers got Duarte had the press conference on, I believe it was Friday. Yeah, Friday afternoon. Did you get to watch that press conference? Did anything stick out to you? Did you like Duarte after after hearing that? 
Yeah, he's he's very much grown on me since then. I think, like I mentioned before, every Pacer fan was a little bit let down, but as time went on, I feel like his game started to grow on you a bit. He's got a great backstory. Also feels like he is a more NBA-ready guy from day one compared to a Moses Moody. And also, you know, Rick Carlisle has a history of not playing rookies. Well, it feels like Duarte may be that exception being 24 years old. Um, I think this is someone that can contribute from them right away. So I'm looking forward to that when you can already see how free agency is going right now. If we were going to draft someone, we really weren't going to play. And then we didn't do anything in free agency. It would hurt even more. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with that. Here's what I will say about Chris Duarte. He's a good basketball player. He really is. And he really can help this team. I just feel like that ceiling is not as high as nah. Moses Moody. Well, it, we don't know that because Moody could be a flop in the NBA and Duarte could just continue to get better. I mean, we cannot sit here and say that Moody is going to have a, at the end of his career, have a higher ceiling. We might project it, but we can't say it because it's not, it's the unknown botch. But I think, you know, just the, the thought of getting a guy that was 19 years old in Moses Moody instead of a 24 year old, by the way, a guy older than Malik Monk, who just signed with the Lakers. And we had a conversation about that on Twitter. Um, but that's what I'm saying. It just, Duarte is a guy that I think can play right away. But Isaiah Jackson, the guy they traded Aaron Holiday in the 31st pick for, which also included four second-round picks. So basically four second-round picks and Aaron Holiday for Isaiah Jackson. Or, yeah, for, yep. uh, for Isaiah Jackson was the deal. What did you think about that move? Alex, thank God I'm not a betting man because I did not see the Pacers taking a center in the first round not even really in the draft, but here they are again. The front office could not help themselves. They have just a fascination for centers. And Isaiah Jackson, I mean, look, he's a good player. He is. But, I mean, what are we doing here? Is this like Pokemon collect them all? I mean, how many can you have? So, look, I I like the pick. I don't see him being really able to step on the court much this year at all, which, you know, could be a little bit frustrating but I really do like the, the fact that he's a really good shot blocker and all SEC defensive, you know, for a conference player over there. Um, and in the same theme with Chris Duarte, you're going on the defensive side of things as he was a Pac-12 all defensive player. Um, but it, it's like a little bit of a now and later type selection. It made, it made me think, and I cannot be alone in this, that, hey, you just drafted a really good shot blocker. You might be preparing for life after Miles Turner. Well, that does not appear so right now because, like I mentioned on, on yesterday's episode, there is no market for, for trading for centers right now. It's as dry as can be. But Isaiah Jackson, a clear stash pick that a lot of people liked. I mean, I listened to Chad Ford's Big Board podcast, and they, they graded. They really liked that pick. They had Isaiah Jackson creeping into the back end of the lottery, which probably was going to be a bit too high for them. For him, but getting him at 22, uh, I thought was was really good value. Could the Pacers probably have solved some other needs? Yes, but this was the case where they might have went with the best player available. I just think they like Isaiah Jackson. I don't really I think, think it was necessarily the best player available. I think it was just someone they really had interest in. And yeah, there's arguments that he could be a power forward. I'm not going to get into that. I, I mean, if you look at his numbers from last year. He has no – he's not a shooter. He shot like two threes all year long in Kentucky. So he's not a guy that's even looking to try to shoot the basketball. He's a rebounder. He's a shot blocker. 
and is a lob threat. And that's what Carlisle kind of mentioned that he wanted in, in the press conference that he had when they introduced him as the head coach. He said, yeah, uh, we need guys that can be more of a lob threat. He mentioned Turner could do that. So we don't know if they're going to make any trades. I think right now we're pretty – we're, we're pretty safe to bet that they don't. But I think that with what Isaiah Jackson does bring to the table, you give him a couple years in the G League and maybe some time to play, you know, those those minutes when we're getting blown out or we're blowing somebody out, you know, just the end of the end of the fourth quarter minutes. I think he can develop, number one, it puts pressure on go get to get better, stay healthy, and continue to work hard. But it also gives you insurance, number one, if you have injuries like we had last year, and, and three, if they do decide to move on from Turner in two years when his contract's up and re-sign Levert and Brogdon, then they've got somebody already on the roster that kind of fills the same things that Miles Turner, Turner does. Oh, there's, there's a few statements to live by, and one of them is that Kentucky players are always better in the NBA. They always are, and I think Isaiah Jackson, we have not seen – the best of him yet so I'm excited to see him develop over time but when you mentioned Goga Alex what is it with Goga in the summer league it's like it's not meant to be we just saw a report today that he's got a back injury that he's not been able to practice the last couple days summer league is starting up in the coming days for the Pacers and we don't know what Goga's status is going to be whether it was you know his, his visa status in the past I think he was sick last year or whatever it was it just has not worked out and I know it's not make or break but I really want to see Goga unleashed and able to just feast in the summer league doesn't even need to play all the games just to get a couple games and expanded minutes not that nine minutes per game that we always see I want to see Goga play that at 15 to 20 and really be a focal point of the offense there and uh, I don't know if we're going to get to see it this summer I, I think it will it'll happen eventually but for now the injury bug has got him once again. Yeah, it's like anytime he gets a big opportunity, everything just kind of falls <laughs> falls out of place for him. And I feel bad for the guy because I think he's got some talent. He does. But at the end of the day, if you're not healthy, the best ability is availability, and he oh, doesn't yeah. have that. And there was times last year we saw him playing in the rotation, and then he would be benched the next game and wouldn't see the floor at all. So – it's really hard to fathom what Rick Carlisle is going to do with this rotation. I kind of want to pivot here a little bit from our draft conversation to our rotation conversation here, because based on how this roster is set up, Fachi, I'm just going to put it out there right now. If Tory Craig and Jeremy Lamb take minutes away from O'Shea Brissett and Chris Duarte in the rotation, I'm going to be very upset. I, I know that O'Shea Brissett is a non-guaranteed contract, but what he did last year, he is exactly the small ball four that you need, especially coming off the bench, not playing such a, a position of need. The Pacers desperately asked him to play last year, but I thought he really showed off what he can do. And then you don't draft a 24-year-old shooting guard who is ready to play right now and put him on the bench behind Jeremy Lamb or even Edmund Sumner. I feel like this is a guy that you have to play right away and give him those minutes and if he doesn't earn them over the period of the season, then you give maybe a Lamb or a Sumner a chance to take them. But I will be absolutely devastated as a fan if we have to sit there and watch Chris Duarte sit on the bench and not crack the rotation. Oh, it would be a major storyline amongst Pacer fans throughout the season because it's not just that they drafted him. 
you know, and, and at age 24 being like, hmm, you know what, do we have a role from it's that Golden State was reportedly still trying to get him after the draft and the Pacers were turning down offers. So and those offers were believed to be Moody and other assets, you know, whether it's real or not, we've heard J. Michael confirm that it is, but they have to have a plan for him. They have to. And I just feel like, yeah, obviously, you had the draft first. I would like to believe that they drafted Duarte before they knew they were going to sign Toy Craig. You never know when these conversations actually start in free agency. But, man, to go back to Shea Brissett, that guy was a true diamond in the rough. Really the only bright spot in, like, the last month or so of the NBA season for the Pacers. Uh, Brissett is someone that you don't want to see him – just kind of at the end of the bench. No, this guy was onto something last year. I think he's going to get better. I want to see him have an opportunity. And Jeremy Lamb, it's like, look, I'm sorry. I'm willing to just admit that it just didn't work out here. And he maybe he could still be a good player this year. Now that he's healthy, maybe he could. But you know what? There's just other guys that we need to be invested in, younger guys that, that I think continue to get better. Sumner was one of those guys that did take a step forward, but – it's just he's going to be on a one-year deal at this point. You know, he yep. expires after this year. You know, he's going to be looking for, truthfully, uh, the, the, the best offer that he can get in free agency, being a second-round pick, a guy that slid to the second round. You know, you got to think that Sumner is looking for as much money as possible, and, and the Pacers probably won't re-sign him. You, you don't know. Who knows? But guys like Duarte are on the roster now, and I feel like you have to at least give him a real shot Otherwise, if we're watching these other younger players excel, it's going to hurt that much more. It's going to be another storyline that doesn't paint the front office in a positive light. And we've seen too many of those. Yeah, because if you're not going to play your rookie that you draft, especially a guy who's 24 years old, then why not just take Moses Moody at that yeah, point? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, that's all I'm saying. Like, if you want to have a guy that, you know, you're not used to picking a rookie, you don't really want to play a rookie, well, then – Draft a 19-year-old guy that has a wingspan that's seven foot five. You know, like I don't know if it's really that long. I think it's like no. seven three. It's I mean, it's ridiculously, you know, it's ridiculously more significant than what his actual height is. So I, I think that that is just a way I look at it. It's like, okay, look, even if you don't play Moses Moody within the first couple of years because you're trying to win with Carlisle and you've got Sumner, you've got Lamb, whatever, like this is still a guy that's only gonna be 20, 21 years old by the time those guys are off the books. So it gives him time to develop, and, and that is something that I think is very important to what this Pacers team needs to do. But Carlisle's not known for playing rookies. I get it that he's had to play some whenever they've been like his best player, aka Luka Doncic. But if you're gonna if you're gonna go after Chris Duarte, and he does not crack the rotation, I think it's very silly to me overall. I would really like for them to find a way to make that second unit cohesive and play well together but I think defensively if you've got Justin Holiday, Chris Duarte, TJ McConnell and then whoever they play at that back of four I think O'Shea Brissett can do it but I defensively so. Tory Craig's probably better in mm -hmm. that role and then you have a shot blocker and Goga I'm saying if you're going full five or if they stagger minutes and put miles with that second unit that's a pretty good defensive second unit so that's all I'm saying like I just I just feel like Edmund Sumner, and you said a great point there, Fachi. He's only on a one-year deal. Duarte is with the Pacers for two plus two, probably when they pick up his option, and then they can have him in restricted free agency. You're, so you're talking probably close to eight or nine years they could have Duarte, where Sumner is just the guy that's at the end of the rotation, mm -hmm. making you know just two million dollars a year. So 
I would rather invest my time into a player that's going to be a long-term part of my franchise. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more right over there because, I mean, there was other guys on the board outside of, you know, outside of Moody, outside of Kispert, there was still Jalen Johnson. I know he went at pick 20, but it's like that's someone that, hey, if you really did plan on playing rookies, that's someone you could have stashed and developed. So there's plenty of good players there. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, what Carlisle's plan is going to be. I don't think that Duarte is just going to have a role like immediately where he's playing, you know, 15 minutes or so. It'll probably slowly come aboard. I think he should, though. I think he he should. should. In a perfect world, of course. But it's like, let let this guy at least be able to hit the court in the beginning. You know, it's just I don't want to see him just not playing for the first 15 to 20 games of the season until there's an injury. Because at that point, it's going to be alarming. So I think the front office views this team a bit differently than everybody does. I don't know if they truly do think that they are contenders and just staying healthy is is the key to to really having a lot of success this year. But we know that it's not just about the health of this team. Guys need to get better and develop and that's where you're looking at guys like Chris Duarte to be able to come in and contribute. O'Shea Brissett to be able to continue. Guys like Ken Goga step up. Is there a, a – can T.J. Warren be – he doesn't have to be bubble Warren, but can he be – you know, is there a next gear? Karis LeVert coming off a career year. Okay, well, can he do it again? Can Malcolm Brogdon continue that fringe all-star status? I mean, these are the questions that we need answered because if the, if the picture's – can't individually get better, then we're going to be locked into being, you know, a tough out in the first round year after year. Do the Pacers even make the playoffs? It's not a guarantee. No. It's not. I mean. I think I would put money on them more likely being a play-in team than a playoff team in the top six. I feel comfortable with that. I don't feel comfortable in terms of, hey, yeah, I'm on board. I feel comfortable with what you said that that's probably going to happen. I think with the playing games over there, I mean, it's going to be like we're battling to, you know, oh, hey, if we win this, we can get slaughtered by Milwaukee in the first round. You know, <laughs> they, they have to do something else. And, and I mean, even if that move is addition by subtraction in terms of just getting Lamb off to just be able to open up more minutes, then that's what you got to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm not sold that the Knicks are going to be back at the four seed. I think they could take yeah. a bit of a dip. Mm-hmm. They've pretty much just re-signed all of their guys from last year, and I thought they overachieved by a long shot. So, personally for me, I, I think that they might regress. Boston's a team that could regress, but at the same time, I think Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those are two guys that always give you a chance to win. I think they'll be in the mix. We'll see what Washington does under the finish as the eighth seed. They've made some interesting moves. Spencer Dinwiddie coming in there to replace Russell Westbrook as a starting point guard. They got Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Harrell. They got Aaron Holiday. They got Isaiah Todd, who they drafted with the 31st overall pick, and Corey Kispert. So, I mean, they've got some decent players on that team, but is it good enough to make the playoffs? And then Chicago today making some splashy moves, getting DeMar DeRozan, getting Lonzo Ball, getting Alex Caruso. I think that they've really – solidified a nice, you know, six-man rotation there with Kobe White off the bench as well. So, Fachi, I know that there's a lot we can talk about. We got all offseason to talk about it, but I just feel like nothing's guaranteed. And what Miami did last you know, last night, acquiring P.J. Tucker and then today getting Markeith Morris, two guys that are just complete dogs for a team, and then you add Lowry, and then you extend Butler, you've got Bam Adebayo, you get Duncan Robinson back. I know I kind of – 
overlook the Lowry signing, but I think adding Tucker does make things a little bit better for Miami. It does. And Miami was a team that they, they underperformed for most of last year. I mean, they really did. You know, they finished in the sixth seed. I do think that they're going to be better. Washington, I think, is definitely going to be in the mix for the play-in, without a doubt. I think they'll be in there. Charlotte. Charlotte missed the playoffs. They could take a step forward. I mean, LaMelo missed a chunk of the season. Gordon Hayward missed a chunk of the season. Yeah. I think that they have some good stuff going on over there. So I don't know where the Pacers are going to finish, but I would not feel comfortable guaranteeing a playoff spot. And Toronto is a team that I'm really intrigued by. I think they're going to be better. Getting Gary Trent Jr. back on that, you know, that deal, they're going to end up, I believe, trading Dragic to Dallas if that doesn't yeah. already happen. But that's kind of been the speculation is Dragic doesn't really want to be in Toronto. I wish he kind of would stay there because I think he'd actually be a nice fit for that team. But if they're willing to reroute him to, you know, Dallas and maybe get a, a Dwight Powell back that's in return. That's not a bad pickup because they need a center, and I think Dwight Powell is a decent player. I really like Nick Nurse as a coach. Um, I don't know if he's that much different than Nate Bjorkren in terms of philosophy, but I think his players respect him a little bit more. I think so. Maybe not so um, outlandish as uh, Bjorkren was a little bit last year, but I just think athletically – they have a better roster that fits that style of play, too. I think that's the biggest thing there. The Pacers roster is not even close and they're as athletic as that Toronto starting five could be. So, I mean, I think Toronto's a really interesting team as well. I mean, I know they lost Lowry, but still. Lowry was hurt for part of the season last year. They've got Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. They drafted Scotty Barnes. They got Chris Boucher. They're going to have um, Precious Achua, another guy that's just an athletic Four. I mean, they're just going to be super athletic. And then, of course, getting Gary Trent back. So I'm intrigued by them as well. I just I'm not saying the Pacers won't make the playoffs. I'm just saying that I, I feel like it's more likely they're in that seven to ten range again, which is why fans are kind of frustrated. The Pacers haven't made a move. I've gone back and forth, Fachi, all day long, trying to determine how I really feel because I'm torn. Part of me is like, man, I'm so frustrated that we're not doing anything. We're so like, blah. But then the other part of me is like, look, you have to give Rick Carlisle more of a uh, of the benefit of the doubt here because a lot of fans are doubting the starting five because it's not had great success. But we can't be so short minded and not think about how good they were just two years prior with Nate McMillan. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing is, look, I know it sounds like a broken record to say, hey, this starting five's only played like, you know, a handful of games together, but that really is the case. It really is. I mean, you can't tell me if T.J. Warren wasn't healthy last year, the Pacers are a better team. I mean, flat out, he played four games. So if he's healthy, if Miles Turner can stay healthy, if Sabonis is healthy, I mean, you're, you're talking about the bench is improved. They, they are. If everyone can stay healthy, guys like Brissett playing a full season, Edmund Sumner, if he, if he has a role, you know, got a complete role, I think that he was someone who's contributing a lot. And then you, you obviously you gotta hope you hit on Duarte. I mean, if he can contribute this year, you're you're gonna feel that this is a deeper team because last year towards the end, I mean, you saw O'Shea Brissett was, was having to play center and play 42 minutes. I mean, we're running a, a six seven and below lineup. I mean, they really had just really not much to give. So I think this Pacers team is deeper, uh, but so is the East. The East really is. So just like you mentioned, nothing's a guarantee. Health is obviously going to be, you know, our 
our greatest uh, you know factor or could work against us. If Pacers aren't healthy, they might be blowing this up. They really might. I mean, I, I don't think that they brought in Rick Carlisle to shake things up, but we've talked about it before. There's no market for a center right now, but come the deadline, that's when the Pacers could be, you know, unloading a player, maybe attaching Edmund Sumner to him. You know, maybe they, they have that Jeremy Lamb expiring deal. Maybe at the deadline, that's when they revisit this. Yeah, I think it makes more sense probably right now because nobody really knows what's out there. And look, they could be holding off for maybe a Ben Simmons trade or a Dame Lillard trade and trying to get involved in that. I mean, they could just be sitting there on their hands saying, hey, we don't want to rush and make a decision. I mean, maybe that's kind of me thinking positively about what they could be doing. Give Carlisle a chance to see what this starting five can do together. But once one of them gets hurt, I think at this point you just have to say, look, we've got to quit using this as an excuse. Oh, well, we were injured, so we didn't get a chance to see it. Look, and eventually you're going to have to find healthy players. And if you can't stay healthy, then then you have to move on from that player or, or find a different direction to go because, look, there's going to be times when Malcolm Brogdon is just out for part of the season. And if you don't have a third-string point guard on this roster, it doesn't make any sense. So I think they really need to address that, number one. Number two, we'll see how this double big lineup works. Rick Carlisle really hinted at staggering their minutes. He's probably going to not play Goga Batadze much this year, which I'm okay with if it you know results in, in the Pacers winning basketball games. Do I think that Turner will go to the bench or Sabonis will go to the bench? I do not think that. They'll probably start together. The guys, they've said it several times, they're really close. These two guys are really close. They want to play together and they want it to succeed. But at the end of the day, Fachi, it's just one of those things where we don't believe and we haven't seen it yet where two guys that are natural centers can play together and it result in a championship or a deep playoff run. So, I think if you wait till close to the deadline, teams at this point might not want to pay a center $17.5 million or $18.5 million. But look at look at what Orlando did. They traded Vucevic around the deadline. Teams might be like, oh, I need a shot blocker on our team. We, we had an injury or whatever happened, and they want to really be competitive. And I think the Pacers have two really quality centers that could be traded uh, at the deadline. Oh, an injury changes everything. And when you start to look at you know, the deadline, I mean, there might be the ability to, if you are trading, you know, one of the bigs to strap another guy, you know, with Miles Turner or whatever it is, say you're dealing with Sabonis. I, I don't know. Either way, both guys making right around 18 million. If you make, if you attach Jeremy Lamb and his 10 and a half million, you're talking about the ability to bring in a really good player. So, and that very well could happen. I mean, there's going to be some teams that if they're out of it, come the deadline, they're looking to unload. We, I mean, we, we saw that happen. So we could very well see it again. But for right now, I, I wish I could just, you know, spew out all this positive news. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Pritchard's got this up his sleeve. Guys, this, this might be it. I didn't hear a single peep on Twitter today about the Pacers being linked to anyone or any trade or nothing. So it could be a quiet uh, next few days while we're just on the outside looking in. Very well could be, Fachi. So before we take a break, I want to ask you this. I put this question out on Twitter. I said, coming in, we've got Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, and Tory Craig. Going out is Doug McDermott, Aaron Holiday, and Jakar Sampson. Did the Pacers get better this offseason? Right now, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because Doug McDermott was coming off of a career year 
great, great connection with Sabonis. I mean, this is a guy that shot over 50% from the field. Um, you know, good three point shooter, uh, really was just a good slasher. I mean, he was doing a lot. Aaron holiday, look, he, he needed to go. So I feel like that's, that's all right to lose. We don't know exactly what we're getting out of Duarte yet. Um, so we're going to wait and see there, but for right now I'm going to, and they added Tory Craig. All right. Look, I mean, like, I don't want to make it seem like he's like a bag of beef jerky, but it's like, he's, he's a, he's a good, he's a good signing. It's like, all right. Yeah, cool. We got Tory Craig, but I don't think that we got any wins better than last year. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll say. Well, I think McDermott might be the best overall player out of those six. You have to put into consideration that Aaron Holiday was probably not going to find the court in the rotation and neither was Shakar Sampson. So you bring in Torrey Craig. Does he find a spot in the rotation? That is to be determined. We do not know what Torrey Craig is going to bring to this team, but I do think that if you look at the changes that they made, they got rid of really bad defenders. McDermott was not a good defender. No. Aaron Holiday showed moments, but sometimes I think he got burned a little bit too much. Jakar was a fine defender, but they've significantly upgraded on defense. One of the things I did not put in there was Bjorkren out, Rick Carlisle in. And I think player-wise, they might have taken a bit of a a bit of a dip, but it's still kind of uh, up in the air because we don't know what Duarte is going to do in the NBA. So if Duarte has a good season, I think that it's a uh, they maybe not got worse or better. They may have stayed the same. But if Duarte is just unplayable, you know, a rookie that's not ready, then there's fear that they could have – I think they would have taken a step back in terms of the moves they made. But if you include Carlisle and Bjorkman in this, it's night and day difference, man. I mean, Carlisle is the only thing that has given me some sense of hope that the Pacers could maybe exceed expectations for where I have them as a seventh seed. Heading into the uh, heading in the next season. Oh yeah, I have friends that are Knicks fans and Bulls fans, and they're each texting me, "Tory Craig?" Question mark. Are you gonna do anything else? And I'm like, guys, look, we, we got a real coach and a real coaching staff this year. Last year we we had a maniac. We had a, a guy that was named Doctor Jackal and Mister Hyde. Like, I mean, that that you can't put that description on a coach and think it's gonna be a good thing. So clearly, there was issues in the locker room last year. We have a real championship-winning coach with what seems like very credible, you know, good assistant coaches compared to last year. I mean, I don't know who's really gotten jobs off of last year's coaching staff, but I mean, I know Bill Bano's back, but even Bill Bano left, so it's like a it's a whole situation of from a coaching standpoint, like you mentioned, night and day. It's really the only way to describe it. Completely agree, Fachi. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back. We will have Keith Smith. Where's Keith at right now? He's, is he still with Yahoo Sports or is he was? I think he's with the Spo Track, isn't he? Uh, he might be. I know he's been with Yahoo Sports for quite some time, but we're going to get that update straight from Keith. All right. We'll be right back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, 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 it's your boy, Fachi. And if you enjoy listening to Setting the Pace, then what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? 
And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, the Pacers, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply to bwhustle.com slash join. So check out the description in the box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Let's go Pacers. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are joined by Keith Smith. Keith, before I ask you how you're doing, can you give us an update, because I think I butchered it in the exiting segment, of where you are currently employed at covering the NBA? <laughs> yeah, so I'm primarily with Spot Track now. Um, okay. Yeah, that's that's my home. That, that's where I do uh, a lot of my work. I'm still with Celtics Blog. Uh, I'm also with Front Office Show. That's our YouTube channel and podcast that we have launched. Uh, you know, relaunched, launched, relaunched again, but however you want to call it. But, <laughs> but yeah, but, but where you know, I, I keep busy. Awesome, so, man. Go ahead, Fotch. Keith, I mean, we're on day two of free agency, but I don't want to say all the fun ended quickly, but in the first couple of minutes, I mean, we saw a lot of players snatched up. I mean, what's what's kind of some of the bigger signings that really sticks out to you so far? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some of the ones that stand out are the big money ones, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, Mike Conley, older point guards really getting paid uh, and, and doing quite well for, for themselves they, on the free agent market. Uh, that Lonzo Ball sign and trade, the DeMar DeRozan sign and trade, the, that that was a big one. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of glanc- glancing through because I know I'll miss some if I don't don't uh, take a look at my list here. It's been such a wild, uh, well, we're 25 hours plus in and, you know, uh, I can give you a number that might be, you know, kind of crazy to you guys. In the first 24 hours, right at 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern, there was over $2.5 billion in new money added um, to the NBA through new contracts and contract extensions. Wow. That's pretty wild. I mean, <laughs> right? Oh, really my is. goodness. Especially the one Steph Curry is yeah. uh, signed to. That extension is just massive. I had a friend text me and said, Hey, you know, I figured you were wondering, but this is how much money Steph Curry makes every day after his $215 million segment. $589,041.96. So I was good work if you can get it. Yeah. I said, good grief. I'd like to make that in a decade. Right. So, uh, but anyway, I, I think one of the things that's really interesting here about this whole entire free agency is this the big names weren't really there. But there were some guys that did go on the move, and I think one of the most intriguing teams is right here in the Central Division with the Indiana Pacers. That's the Chicago Bulls. They're really trying to retool this roster. I like what they've done, but how good is this roster with the moves they've made? Yeah, it's let's see. Um, I like the Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso additions. 
I'm a little less excited about the DeMar DeRozan edition. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, some, sometimes you go almost a, a bridge too far uh, with, with building a team. And I really kind of liked that young for them. Uh, I thought he was going to, you know, do a nice job at the four, kind of a defensive minded guy alongside Vucevic. Now they're going to put a lot of uh, pressure on uh, Patrick Williams to really step into that four role, uh, at least defensively and, and, and push to, you know, keep things going. I like Patrick Williams a lot, but that's a big ask of a second year player. Uh, you know, so we'll see, you know, I, I thought they had enough shot creation with Levine and, and ball and Vucevic is a guy who can do a lot with the ball in his hands, but you know, they're definitely a better team uh, today than they were yesterday. And I think that's part of what it's about. It's trying to prove to Levine, hey, we're not sitting back on our laurels, just hoping to build this thing up. We're going to actually go out and get some stuff done. You know, I, I am a little bit worried about the Chicago Bulls. I do see them as a playoff team uh, this year in the East. They, they do look very well improved. But, you know, one player that you mentioned, Lonzo Ball, I mean, Keith, did you find it a little bit of a head-scratcher that New Orleans really didn't have any interest in matching an offer sheet uh, for, for Lonzo? I thought you were going to ask me if I found it a head-scratcher that they did the deal in a matter of seconds when free agency opened. A d- double sign-in trade, you know, that's an absolutely incredible work because no one would ever dare to tamper in this NBA. Of course. Uh, you know, of course that would never happen. No, um, yeah, I think... For the Pelicans, I think this was kind of a piece of good business on their side from the standpoint of how happy was Ball going to be there if they, you know, they, they could have played hardball and said, hey, you're a restricted free agent. We're going to hold tight. We're going to make this difficult. Go get an offer sheet and all those things. And I think they really looked at it and said, why are we going to fool around with all this? This, this? this isn't worth it. If he doesn't want to be here anymore, let's at least recoup something out of it. They did in, in a couple guys. So, so yeah, so I think that's kind of the idea behind it because if you look at it, he wasn't necessarily the best fit for that Pelicans team, uh, but this is a guy who can actually play. And, and this is coming from someone in myself who is not a big Lonzo Ball fan. Uh, until about a year or so ago. But the shooting looks real now. Uh, his playmaking is good. His defense has always been pretty good. So so I, I think I think for the Bulls, this is a nice fit uh, alongside Zach Levine because you need you know ball movers, guys who can shoot off that second, third pass. And then you need somebody who's um you know gonna absolutely lock in on that defensive end. So so I, I think this is a good 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 signing for them. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great signing for Chicago, but if I'm the Pelicans, there's no way I'm letting Lonzo go for Thomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple. It just, even though they brought, brought Devontae Graham in, and I know they needed some guard depth with that roster, I just felt like, man, they're really underselling on what Lonzo is. And even if that's the case and Lonzo didn't want to be there, I felt like they could have at least matched the, the offer sheet and then traded him elsewhere because he's still so young. I think teams would have been really intrigued and maybe they would have been able to get more uh, or more find somebody else that fits their roster a little bit better than I think the guys that got back could have. So I want you to touch on that comment that I made, and you can shut me down if I'm bad. But I also want to get your thoughts on Pacers small forward Doug McDermott leaving for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, um, you know, I it's I'll, I'll touch on the ball stuff first. Is yeah, maybe they could have got more. Um, I am fairly certain that's what you ask i apologize yeah, this time yeah. of year i get very distracted by shiny <laughs> objects uh, such as twitter so anytime anything flows by i'm like wait what was that was that a signing a trade what happened um, i'm like a, a fish from finding nemo um in that way but it's um yeah i 
maybe you could have if you were in New Orleans, but I think this is a case of he really, you know, Ball really wanted to be in Chicago. Let's play nice with him and his agency. Um, we know that agency has some power um, around the NBA, so let's 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 do the right thing and you know try try to take care of him. Uh, Doug McDermott to to the to the Spurs. Um, I saw a lot of people kind of hating on the deal. I think it's fine. Fourteen million dollars a year average annual value for you know one of the guy guy who's one of the best shooters in the NBA. I, I think the people who are hating on it don't know how good of a year Doug McDermott has had last season. I think the Pacers because they weren't as good last year. I think they kind of fell off the national radar for some people. And I think they missed out on, you know, just how good Doug McDermott was last season. So I think, you know, that's a, that one's a good deal for the Spurs. I don't mind it. That's a team that needed some shooting, someone who could come in and play the three and the four and, and do that for them. So I like that one, some of the other stuff the Spurs did, I'm kind of, confused by and don't fully understand but you know the McDermott one I, I like that and I, and I do think that's a, actually a pretty big loss the sneaky big loss for the Pacers because they they just you know they replaced him but in a very different way you know McDermott felt like a, if you love him let him go because he really did have such a good year but the Pacers are not you know McDermott away from being in that upper echelon so mm-hmm. I feel like when he was coming off of a three-year, $21 million deal, you know, he essentially got double that this yeah. time around. And, you know, at that point, the Pacers elected to go with TJ McConnell. Um, they brought McConnell back, I believe it was four years, $32.5 million. What did you think of the McConnell deal? Because they got it done immediately. And when the Pacers traded Aaron Holiday, it felt like this was, you know, all but a done thing. Yeah, I think that's a great value for TJ McConnell. This is a guy who can um, – Primarily, he's going to be your backup point guard, and I think he's one of the very best backups in the league. You can even play him alongside Malcolm Brogdon if you need to because Brogdon has extensive uh, experience playing off the ball. Um, It's funny. I was not a TJ McConnell fan uh, for a long time when he was with Philly. I just don't like non-shooters at the point guard position. Um, But I think what McConnell has done is, and I mean this with uh, every bit of respect in the world. Trust me, I'm saying this as a compliment. There may be no bigger pain in the ass in the league than TJ McConnell um, on the defensive Facts. end of the floor. It just gets right up into guys. He, you know, I mean, well, it's it feels like every game he steals an inbound pass, you know, and uh, gets himself a layup or creates something good for the team. He's just, you know, he's one of those guys when when you go against him. I've talked to other players and you're like it's just you know, he just annoys guys. You know, that's great. Right. But he doesn't do it in the way, you know, maybe some others do with some flopping and maybe some dirty play here and there. He's just tough. He's hard nosed. He's one of the true pass first point guards that's left in the league. Um, And I think what he has learned to do is he's never going to be the guy who's going to, you know, take two dribbles out of pick and roll, pull up and shoot a jump shot. It's just not who he is. But what he has been able to figure out is all right, I'm not going to shoot, but what I'll do is I'll break this defense down. I'll create, I'll drive and kick. I'll pitch the ball around. We'll, we'll, we'll get movement out of this. And then when he is open, generally in and around the painted area, he'll, he'll shoot the ball. So yeah, I think that's a great value for them. And of course, losing Aaron Holiday, um, I'm not as upset about that trade as maybe some others are. I, I, I think, you know, this became a real necessity for the Pacers. And, and I think, you know, they, they did really well to keep McConnell in the fold. Yeah, so I think one of the question marks for the Pacers going forward is what do they do with that third string point guard? Because they don't really have that on the roster right now. They could cut Keelan Martin, who will become, I think, his uh, non-guaranteed contract becomes guaranteed 
after August 7th or on August 7th around that time. So the Pacers could easily just cut him and sign a third string point guard, but that is still to be addressed with trading Aaron Holiday. They brought back Isaiah Jackson, a power forward center from Kentucky. And then with the rem- remaining money that they had, they did a, they did sign Tory Craig yesterday. So talk on Tory Craig for me, please. And let me know if there's any backup point guards you think the Pacers could look at with that third string point guard uh, potential. Yeah, the Tory Craig addition is really interesting for this team because they don't have somebody like him on the roster. They, they don't have a lockdown defensive wing out there. They have guys who can play defense, but but Tory Craig is that's what he does. Is is he's a you know lockdown defender, uh, really one of those guys who can defend two through most fours in the league, especially as the fours become more perimeter based and a little bit smaller in size. So I I, I think they got a great value on that contract. They they, they didn't pay him you know much at all uh, you know to to sign their two years ten million. That's that's, you know, that's, you know, great money uh, for, for Tory Craig. So I th- think, um, you know, the Pacers, you know, that, that's a, another good value signing. And it was important to nail a couple value signings like they did with Craig and McConnell because this roster has gotten fairly expensive. They don't have any super high contracts or any contracts that you look at and say, boy, that's a terrible deal. Now, they don't have a single one of those, but they do have a bunch of guys who make between 10 million and about 22 million on the roster. I want to say they've got six or seven guys like that. I, I think it's six. Um, and that, that adds up very, very quickly uh, to, to being you know, right around the tax. And I think they are operating smartly by looking at it and saying, you know what? We're not really a t- we're not really a title contender uh, right now, but we want to be good. We'd like to be in the playoffs. So being around the tax is not the end of the world, but we really don't want to go deep into it. Um, so we'll see. Now, as far as backup point guards go on the market, there there's a handful left out there that maybe they could go out and get. You know, um, it's one of the guys I would have liked for them, Ish Smith is now gone. I think Raul Neto could be kind of interesting for them on a minimum because he's a guy who um, played off the ball a lot with Washington last year next to Westbrook in some lineups. So that'd be kind of interesting. I think Brad Wanamaker would come cheap enough and he's been, you know, a very productive player on limited minutes. Uh, And then you're dipping down into the, you know, guys, you're kind of hoping to catch lightning in the bottle on someone like Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr. My guess is if they're going to add more depth, it could come through uh, the version of, of a trade. And that may be where, where this goes. I know they've been kind of rumored with all sorts of people. Um, so, you know, we'll see if that that's, you know, the way they go. But right now, you know, my guess is it'll be some kind of young upside guy or maybe somebody they can stash on a two-way deal, uh, you know, there. And now that kind of becomes your third point guard now that they've uh, loosened up the two-way uh, restrictions on how many days they can spend with the big club. You know, the two terms that are tossed around that are like nails on the chalkboard for Pacer fans are running it back and being a tough out in the first round. And the Pacers, Pacer fans, we don't want to be a part of that, but it does not seem like there is much of a trade market for centers right now. I mean, the Pacers, they're, they're stockpiling them, you know, almost by the dozen. They have four centers on the rosters right now after drafting Isaiah Jackson. But right now, it doesn't seem like there's any teams really looking for a center. Do you think that the Pacers are going to, you know, be able to unload a center? Or is this one of those where, hey, there's really no one looking to take on a contract like Miles Turner right now, despite being a real good player? 
Yeah, so I have been saying for months, uh, whether it be on front office show, in Spotify green room rooms, uh, in random conversations with my wife, who's like, I don't care, why are you telling me this? Um, <laughs> that, there. that they're going to split up Debona Sabonis and Miles Turner. I just feel like they have pushed it as far as you can go with those two playing together. And it's it's not that it's been bad. It just hasn't taken them to, I think, the heights they hoped it would. Um, you know, my, my thought was, especially when they re-signed Sabonis, that they said, hey, we have two guys here under pretty good contracts now. Their strengths offset the other's weaknesses. You know, we're really going to make this work. But in the end, they're both fives. And in the NBA, it you really have a hard time playing two fives together unless one of them can really get it done at the four. And that's been always kind of the challenge. It becomes a little bit of a messy uh, situation. And I know, you know, talking with different folks with the Pacers uh, and folks around the league, the hope was Turner would defend kind of the perimeter guys out on the four, uh, out on, at the four rather. But then that turned into, if you do that with him, he's too far away from the basket, which removes maybe his greatest strength, of which is rim protection. So that becomes a, uh, you know, a really kind of messy situation there. So I think you're absolutely right, though, in they have I, – I, I don't want to say shopped Turner because that sounds like they're kind of calling everybody in the league and saying, hey, you want to trade for Miles Turner? And that's not necessarily the case. I think they've talked with teams. Teams have engaged them initially. They've reached out to some teams. But it's exactly what you said is they're finding it hard to find a deal for him because he's a five who makes $18 million a year. And unless you're a team that is really looking at and saying, you know what we, we're missing is a uh, floor spacing, rim protecting five, and that's going to be what puts us over the top. It's it's hard to convince yourself that spending eighteen million dollars a year is the way to go at that position. The the center position's kind of starting to become like the running back position in the NFL, where it's if you're really really great and it's what you really really need, you're going to get paid or the team's going to spend some money. But everybody else, you kind of plug and play and move along. Well, it looks like former Pacer uh, guard George Hill is going to be rejoining the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Sharania coming out with that. So congratulations to the hometown hero and IUPUI graduate George Hill going back to Milwaukee. Um, I think that's a good fit for him. I liked him there. But I, I do want to go back to what you just talked about there, Keith, in terms of Miles Turner and, you know, potentially breaking that duo up. Because personally for me, it's just my gut feeling. I think they want to see what they can do under Carlisle and then maybe make a trade at the deadline. It just feels like this is kind of what they want to see if they have it. And Carlisle mentioned in the opening press conference when he was introduced as a new coach, maybe staggering their minutes. I, I think it could be something similar to what McMillan did where he really did a good job of staggering those minutes together. I just think that this might stunt the development of Goga Batadze, a guy they invested the 18th overall pick in just a few years ago. So is there anything out there that you've heard in terms of the Pacers or teams that could be interested in a Miles Turner trade? Yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of interesting. I think the Pelicans were interested, but I think the Pacers made the right play because they did not want to take back Stephen Adams or Eric Bledsoe in a trade like that. So that that kind of removed that path for for them to to have interest. Um, you know, it was funny somebody had said to me, "Well, they could one hundred percent dump him on Oklahoma City." Well, yeah, you can dump anybody on Oklahoma City, but that's not what we're doing here, right? 
Miles Turner is not a guy who needs salary dumped. Where you know that that's about uh, crossing seven or eight bridges too far from from where Miles Turner is. I think um, I don't think I know they had engaged with the New York Knicks who had a ton of cap space to see you know hey you're interested for a draft pick maybe and then you know they would have just absorbed him in a space that didn't ultimately go go anywhere. I've heard. Uh, you know, a couple of the, the, the league's upper echelon teams like the Nets, the Clippers, the Lakers, um, they've had some interest, but finding that salary match gets gets kind of difficult on their side because they don't necessarily have the contracts that can be sent back. So right now, I think, you know, unless they can really find a team that says, boy, you know what, we're a Miles Turner away from, you know, launching ourselves into either uh, maybe a playoff team into definitely being a playoff team or uh, away from being a playoff team into a finals contender. I, I think it's more likely that he does just stick there uh, at least to start the season. I think you're spot on with saying that what they'll do is they'll probably try to stagger their minutes. One of them will come out, you know, five, six minutes into the game and you'll, you'll see them play, you know, uh, opening each half together and then kind of go from there at, at that point. You know, Keith, there's there's very few teams left that have, you know, a significant amount of money left. But one player that Pacer fans are screaming from the rooftops to try and be able to unload is Jeremy Lamb. It's $10.5 It's an expiring deal. It's not a bad contract, but Lamb's had an injury history over the last few years. What do you think it would take to be able to unload Lamb? Like, What do you think you'd have to attach to, to get him off the books for this year? Yeah, probably a couple seconds because that's not that big, big of money. And you, you could, you know, clearly do that with Oklahoma City. Sam Presti loves uh, picks like I love pizza. So, you know, let's, uh, you know, make a deal happen right away. So, you know, that, that you could do that. Or I think maybe what's better for the Pacers is let's see how the year goes. Hang on to him and then use it. Use that number in a trade uh, later. We've seen so many of these trades, for example, right? We talked about DeMar DeRozan going to the the Bulls. So when you look at that, that trade was only made possible because the Bulls could send back Dad Young and Alfred Camino's expiring contracts. So if you're the Pacers, if you're sitting there saying, boy, you know, what we really need is the, you know, shooter to replace Doug McDermott. And we're in, you know, late January, all of a sudden, uh, Jeremy Lamb's contract starts looking pretty good uh, to two teams that might be looking to get off it. And that could be, hey, Jeremy Lamb's our salary match. And now we're paying for that shooter is with a first round pick or something, you know, of that ilk. And that, that's how we're really going to get him. where Lamb isn't the big piece, but Lamb allows you to match salary and trade. So my guess is there's not a huge rush there. They're, they're basically right at the luxury tax. Um, they can get get under if they need to. So my guess is he's probably going to stick at least into the season. And then let's see where it goes. How much he plays? Yeah, we'll see. You know, uh, healthy Karis LeVert, uh, Justin Holiday back. Uh, I like Edmund Sumner quite a bit. I think he can play um, a little bit there. I don't know how much you really need, um, you know, Jeremy Lamb on the floor, but probably just enough to make sure teams know, hey, Jeremy Lamb's around and he, you know, he's all right. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Um, and then see what you can do in season. Yeah, and that's a great point because I, I was thinking about that earlier today. I said, well, if the Pacers were trying to be splashy and maybe make a big trade for Ben Simmons and, you know, that that market for Philadelphia, they're not really getting what they want. And so the Pacers come back with the Brogdon offer. They can maybe throw Jeremy Lamb in that trade with, you know, multiple picks instead of the one. Or they could throw a Gogo Batadze in there, a nice young guy that they just drafted a few years ago, like I mentioned. I mean, I'm not saying that's the package I would get it done, but it's like, that salary filler could be really beneficial later down the road. I just, I find it hard to believe that the Pacers drafted Chris Duarte, a 24 year old guard from Oregon. And then they don't plan to play him in the rotation. That's the thing that's been 
confusing and perplexing to me is just the way this roster is built and kind of how they're they have a log gym there. It feels like in that two to four or that two to three spot with the shooting guard, small forwards yeah. between all the guys they have on their roster. I'm just not sure how they go about building that second unit because I personally would rather see Duarte because I feel like he's a part of the future, but at 24, if they don't play him right away, it seems kind of silly to, to draft somebody that old and then not plug him in right away for a guy like Lamb or even a guy like Sumner who's only got $2 million left on one year. Yeah, I agree with you. you, you and you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is not one of these guys who, you know, turns 19 part way into the season and you can, uh, you know, you have you have him for you know a couple development years. He should be closer to a finished product just because of his age. So so I'm with you. I th- think that's you know a really good point that he's got to mix in there. I th- think the single biggest thing this team is missing, which not to kind of belabor the McDermott point, because clearly if they had their choice, they would have kept Doug McDermott at 14 million and let Jeremy Lamb just go. But that's not how it works, right? That's not the way the salary cap is. This isn't the NFL where you just cut guys and move on. Um, you know, they would have they would have had uh, Lamb sitting there as dead salary had they done that. So I think what they're missing is a, is another four. TJ Warren, sure, he can play small ball four without an issue, no problem. But as you look through the rest of the roster, who else is is a four on this team? O'Shea Brissett? All right, can do some stuff, but do you really want to shape or set playing a you know big rotation minutes? Uh, we already talked about the Turner Sabonis issues, kind of kind of with that that uh, pairing there, and you know is either one of those guys really for? So that's where I think I think you're kind of you know hitting it there where you might be able to deal from a position of strength a little bit, and this might be one where it's hey, you take on our ten million. Jeremy Lamb, and we'll take on your $10 million uh, power forward or 3-4 guy um, and bring him in, and it's just a better fit for for both of us on, on each side, and, and off we go. And that's, I think, what we're starting to reach that point of the offseason where it's like, all right, we've got this little issue, you've got this little issue, is there something we can do that, that becomes workable for both of us? You know, Keith, give it to us straight. If things stay the way they are, how do you view this Pacers team in the Eastern Conference playoff race? Yeah, I'm going to go to the old uh, caveat here with this. If they stay healthy, um, yep, they should be right in the playoff mix. There, there's absolutely no reason. And I mean the actual playoff mix, not just the play-in. Um, mm. You know, I, I think they could get to six. Um, you know, it's it's let, let's let's map it out, right? Brooklyn and Milwaukee. They're, they're both going to be really good. I, I think the Heat are probably going to be pretty good. So there's three teams. Uh, Philadelphia, let's see what they do with Simmons. But they, unless they completely butcher that trade, which I don't think they will, they'll be pretty good as well. So now you've got four teams. Uh, Chicago is going to be good. I think Boston should be good, even just with better health. Um, and Atlanta. then you get the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, right. They're not going to go away anytime soon. But one of those teams, the wheels is going to come off, and it's going to be you know kind of the season, you know, that just they hate and it all falls apart on them. Um, so I think, you know, the Pacers are the team that could be poised to, after kind of a rough season where things really went poorly for them health-wise uh, with so many of their guys, I think they could really kind of turn this thing around and look pretty good. And all of a sudden we're saying, man, where did the Pacers come from? And we're looking at them and we're like, well, they're just healthy. 
they, they're good. They have good players. And, and this year they stayed healthy. So I'm going to knock on wood, say they stay healthy. And I th- think they're probably in that six to eight range mm-hmm. in the East. You know, I don't know that they could crack into the home court advantage push, um, but it wouldn't completely shock me if they stayed super healthy, maybe made a move or two that really makes sense. And then one of those other teams has kind of that nightmare season where it all falls apart on them. Maybe that's their path to pushing up in the conference. Yeah, I definitely think that they're a team that should make the playoffs. I don't think they'll miss it, but I, I, I told Fachi in the first segment that I'm actually banking on them being more of a play-in team with that 7-10 to 10 range, and I am in the first six, just because there's so many question marks with this team. And I think last sure. year, I, th- I just think that the whole Bjorkman experience for that one season really put a bad taste in the mouth of Pacer fans. And so we haven't seen competent basketball since McMillan was there at the bubble because just some of the stuff they were doing didn't make any sense. I mean, I think Sabonis last year led the NBA in miles travel. <laughs> so yeah, that's ridiculous. A ton of minutes he was playing, and the, <laughs> yeah. the defense that had him playing out there, chasing guys around the perimeter, just not his strong suit. So I think we're kind of overlooking it. I know a lot of fans are mad today. They're like, oh, the Bulls are going to pass the Pacers. They're so much better now with the moves they've made. And I said, well, if you really look on paper, they kind of are similar in how they're built. Sure. But I think, you know, the DeRozan comparison to me was more T.J. Warren, but I just think T.J. Warren is a significantly better shooter from three and defender. So I think the Pacers are still a better starting – have a better starting five than Chicago. But because it's free agency time, people are making moves, it feels like if you're not making moves, then you're not a good team. But I think this Pacers team still has a lot of really good talent on it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think – you know, again, it goes back to get these guys back to playing, you know, somewhere between, you know, 70 to 75 games. And a lot of the things that looked messy last year don't look look as bad. I think all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know, I remember this. I mean, we're only, uh, you know, what what are we a year out from because of the whole weirdness with with the way that the uh, bubble season played out, but we're only a year away from everybody being absolutely in love with TJ Warren. As you know, the, the the bubble breakout star that wasn't named Devin Booker, you know, everybody was like, man, this guy is, you know, great. You know, what a steal for the Pacers. And then, of course, you know, he had he had the, the injury issues and, and that put him put him out there. So, yeah. So I think that becomes a, um, you know, a spot where, all right, you know, get, get him back healthy. You know, let's figure out what they do. I don't think they're done. Um, I, I don't think there's a massive, you know, monster you know, franchise, you know, changing move coming. But I feel like they, there could be something because, again, no bad contracts. So that makes everything very easy to move in trades. Uh, they're a team that I know other teams really like working with because Kevin Pritchard is very straightforward. He doesn't play a lot of games with people. It's, it's you know, you call them and say, are you interested in? He's going to tell you no or yeah, but for, you know, X, and then uh, that kind of sets the tone for the negotiation. So, yeah, I think they're in a position to to do some stuff here. Uh, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. It might be a couple months from now, um, you know, when we're into the season or even leading up to the trade deadline. But I think the Pacers are in pretty good shape. You know, one team that we really haven't seen do anything since free agency started, but they did quite a few things in the, the previous weeks, team that you know quite well, the Boston Celtics. Can you take us through a little bit about what the Celtics are doing? Because, you know, they were able to unload Kemba's contract. They, they took on Al Horford. Then they traded Moses Brown for um, Josh Richardson. So what is it that Boston has planned? Are they gearing up for next season? Yeah, that's what it looks like, like they're doing. And that's uh, got people kind of concerned because the way they're, they're – 
they're pitching it is we can't spend into the tax this year because we're intending to spend a lot of money next year. The challenge with that is it is almost impossible unless you're in like a Miami heat type of situation where you have somebody like Duncan Robinson on an extremely small cap hold to spend cap space to go get somebody, then re-sign one of your own free agents to a massive deal and also end up in the luxury tax the same season to use cap space. It just, it, it, it's only happened a couple times in the history of the league. So the, the, the challenge is those two things don't go hand in hand. And that doesn't really jive for me um, where it's, you know, we, yeah, we don't want to spend now because we're going to spend next year. Well, you could still spend now. And they have really, they got people, I think, set down a path of, all right, I get what you're doing. You know, Al Horford for Kemba Walker saved about $7 million. Uh, then this Tristan Thompson news broke that that was going to add, you know, about three more million dollars. So now, now we're 10 million under the tax. It sounds like 10 million over the tax is about the range that the, the ownership is going to green light to pay the tax. So we can resign Evan Fournier and be in a position. And then it was immediately, Hey, we're acquiring Josh Richardson, which took them right up to the tax again. And now Evan Fournier is left for the Knicks. It's, it's, Everybody's left kind of wondering, you know, what, what are we doing here? Are we punting on this season? You know, well, what do we do now? Because what we're also hearing is because they're, again, right at that tax line, they don't necessarily want to go add anybody right now, even though there's a couple players that they probably could go add that would fill rotation roles for them because they're trying to keep everything clean. And, and that sounds great to keep your cap sheet clean and be in a really good position. But unless you know – hey, we're going to be in the mix for Bradley Beal, or we're going to be in the mix to trade for Damian Lillard or free agent X, where he's going to be the guy we're really going to pursue. That starts to become real messy because if Portland wins and Dame doesn't want out, now you're in trouble. If uh, Bradley Beal you know, decides, you know what, I don't want to leave Washington, which he's, is oddly enough, has given no indication he does, including their general manager saying he told him directly that he does not want to leave. Now you're in a position where you're kind of selling hope to people when it looks like, hey, we could have done a couple of things, but but we're 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 sitting here, you know, with our guys. And when you have uh, two, you know, kind of uh, young star talents and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that's kind of difficult to swallow for a lot of Celtics fans. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it is tough, and I think Brad Stevens being a first time, you know, president of basketball operations could make fans a little bit worried too, just because. You know, we don't have Danny Ainge in the front office calling the shots or letting you know what deals the Celtics almost made, which <laughs> is the running gag that we've heard for the past 15 years. But real quick, as we wrap this up, Marcus Smart, are those rumors real or not? Because it seems to be that he could be available, but I just don't know if he is a guy that they would be willing to part with. Yeah, it sounds like they're not real. It, it okay. sounds like... um those were put out there who knows why or for what reasons. Um, but it sounds like the team has kind of come back through. If you guys know with the Pacers, who are the ones you can really trust, you, you know, the front office really sends them stuff and gets them stuff. We have the same thing on the Celtics media side of, you know, hey, when this guy speaks, you know, that came direct from the front office uh, in the media. And there's been a couple of the, the those guys who've come on and said, yeah, they're, they're not trading Marcus Smart. They, they don't want to. All right. That doesn't mean that there's not frustration with him at times. His shot selection can be, quite <laughs> frankly, uh, mystifying at, at times. Um, but his defensive ability remains super high. His playmaking is actually really good. I think they are really excited to play him at 
the point guard role and really say, Hey, you're, you're going to run the offense. Cause when he has done that in the past, um, he's actually looked probably about the best he's ever looked because he's really good at setting the offense, getting things going, and then kind of drifting around. It's, it's when he's off the ball to begin a possession and the ball comes his way with seven, eight seconds left. That's when it's like, Oh boy, this is going up. You know, you, you know, that shot's coming, you know, almost no matter where it is when he's the one setting the offense, it feels a little bit better. Cause then if it's coming back to him, it's when he's in a position to really score off a secondary attack or creation or something like that. So yeah, I, 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 Everything I've heard is they're looking forward to, you know, plugging him in at the point guard spot and running with him. But that's not to say they wouldn't trade him if there wasn't a great deal out there to make that they felt like this lifts us in the title contention. And this is, you know, the deal to be made you know, right now to, to put us on top. I, I don't think that he's you know completely, you know, untouchable. I just don't think, think they're really looking to move him by any means. Hey, Keith, not going to lie. Pacer fans did have interest when it seemed like Marcus Smart was on the table but I do hope that we have more excitement to come in free agency as I hope the fun is not over. But tell everybody where they could find you on social media. Yeah, and find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I've been tweeting a lot about free agency and all the deals that are going down and uh, you know, kind of breaking down the cap ramifications or what kind of deal it looks like these are lining up to be. Be a lot more of that to come uh, towards the end of end, end of this week, into the weekend, uh, the week after that as well, when deals start going official and can be signed. That's when the uh, the the ones that are reported at, you know, a number will we'll get what the real number is instead of the uh, hey, I did a favor to make the agent look good here. Um, you know from the reporting we'll get those real numbers out there so you can find those at keith smith nba you can find all that salary information um, that i've been talking about and referencing throughout the show here over at spot track we've got all 30 teams covered every deal is plugged in there with at least an estimate uh for now as long as we have it uh those are all in there and ready to go so yeah check that out there and then if you're for some reason a pacers fan that really wants to read up on the boston celtics maybe to find out what's going on with marcus smart you can find my celtics coverage at uh celtics blog as part of that Nation. Hey, Keith, always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, Fachi, I think Keith Smith is always fun to have on. He has great insight on the NBA. He does a fantastic job covering the entire league, and he really knows, you know, individual teams as well, because imagine not covering the Pacers and being more of a Boston Celtics guy and covering the league and being able to, you know, spew out facts like that and talking to his wife at dinner about the Turbonus pairing. Like, come on, I don't even do that, Fudge. Uh, I try. It does not go too far. Babe has heard it all, and she is unamused. But um, (laughs) So I do not blame Keith's wife. I'm sure she hears enough Celtics talk that she doesn't want to hear about the Pacers. But, hey, that's where we come in, and we spew out Pacer facts left and right. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. My wife, she's so funny. She'll be like, hey, how'd your podcast go? Were you excited with the moves? And then I'll tell her. And she's like, oh, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, okay. She doesn't know who Tori Craig is, so she'll have to learn him. She was sad to see McDermott go. I did tell her. I said, yeah. I said, McDermott signed with the Spurs. And she goes, oh, he was the best looking one. Yeah. That's usually <laughs> how girls know. Oh, he's cute. And something it's like, well, well, yeah, but what about his three-point shooting? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about his actual basketball skills? But, hey. You know, she lets me watch a majority of the games on the big screen when she could be wanting to watch something else. So I appreciate that. And if, you know, she thinks one of the guys is cute, I just have to let it be. But anyway, enough rambling here, Fachi. It's been a lengthy episode. So I want to thank all of our listeners and all of our new listeners for supporting the podcast. Really means a lot. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could give us a five-star rating on iTunes and 
get us there. We are so close to 100 ratings, so that would be absolutely fantastic if you could leave us a nice rating and a review. Please, no negative ones. It hurts our it hurts our stock, but hey, uh, we are always open to open criticism. But Fachi, other than that, where can the people find us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I, and you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And at the end of the day, if you're excited to see Chris Duarte play in summer league, say these three words: Let's go Pacers! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.